1: Greetings and welcome to the fifth edition of Women's Liberation Radio News. WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse and ideas we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. My name is Sarah barr I'm a student in my early 20s on the west coast of the US. Before learning about real and radical feminisms, I used to strongly believe men should have access to women's institutions on the grounds of gender identity. You can check out the conversation I had with Thistle under the Interviews tab on the WLRN website to find out how I changed my mind. I'm so excited to be helping out here at WLRN.
0: My name is Niall Pierce and today's program focuses on women in sports. We'll hear an interview with psychologist and professor Susan Bassow, co-author of the paper Femininity, Sports and Feminism, Developing a Theory of Physical Liberation published in the Journal of Sport and Social Issues. The interview for this edition was conducted by Sekhmet She-Owl. Our feature story is by Elizabeth McEwen and is about new gender standards in the Olympics. Here are today's WLRN headlines for September first, 2016. The 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio witnessed several women's victories with Team USA at the top of the leaderboard. Team USA won women's relay gold. They also took gold when they defeated Spain in the women's basketball tournament. The U.S. women's gymnastics team took gold with prodigy gymnast Simone Biles, hailed as, quote, the best athlete in America today, unquote, who won a well-deserved gold medal for her extraordinary performance in all feats. Simone Manuel and Katie Ledecky both won gold in swimming. Michelle Carter walked away with the gold medal in women's shot put. Gwen Jorgensen took gold for the USA in the women's triathlon, and for the first time in over 116 years a woman made history in Olympic golf. Park Inby from the Republic of Korea took gold for her skill on the green. She remarked later that, I have won many tournaments, but I have never felt this before. Australian women won gold when they defeated New Zealand in rugby. Great Britain's Nicola Adams won gold in women's fly boxing. Greece's Ekaterini Stefanidi won women's pole vault gold. Estelle, mostly, took women's lightweight gold for France. Kenya's Vivian Shariat took gold in the women's 5,000 meter final. And Germany won their first ever gold in Olympic women's football, making them one of only three teams to have won the World Cup and the Olympics. Despite all these victories and still others, women's achievements continue to be written out of the narrative by many mainstream journalists. If and when women and their achievements are included and reported on, their humanity is frequently reduced to highlight the achievements of the men around them in their field of expertise. Our society's default male norm is patriarchally ingrained in the very fabric of our lives. For instance, as The Guardian recently noted, swimmer Simone Manuel discovered this default male norm when her gold medal victory was reduced in headlines to, quote, Michael Phelps shares historic night with African American, unquote. The implication is that white men are individuals, human beings in their own right, with personalities and quirks and rich rounded lives, while other people are still defined as members of homogenous, othered groups. There has been an international outcry among women's rights activists and others in response to the decision of the Turkish government's constitutional court to annul the criminal code provision to prosecute anyone involved in sexual acts against children under the age of 15. As a result of the decision, the rape of children under the age of 18 will no longer be considered sexual abuse, and the likelihood of child rapists going unpunished is extremely high. News of the decision was quickly reported in Austria, and was reacted to with a pointedly negative tweet by Sweden's female foreign minister, Margot Wallström. Male representatives of the Turkish government responded with vitriol by alleging that the story reported was, quote, false, unquote, and deliberately quote, misrepresenting the Turkish state, unquote. The decision of the Constitutional Court remains in place despite Turkey's public backlash and accusatory tone with foreign diplomats, and despite their attempts to paint themselves a victim of a negative European Union PR campaign, the decision was also reported by Turkey's own Hurriot newspaper, with quotes from several women's rights and human rights organizations within the country voicing concern over the actions of their state. The law is set to come into effect on January 13th, 2017, unless it is challenged within a six-month time frame beforehand. Turkey remains one of the countries that legalizes the rape of female children under the guise of marriage, and at present there are over 3.5 million female victims of legalized child rape being tortured within the country. The problem is set to worsen if these decisions are not overturned. Following the decision by the United States Department of Justice and the Department of Education to legally redefine the category of sex in Title IX to gender identity, the radical feminist activist group WOLF has filed an historic lawsuit against the Department of Justice and the Department of Education, challenging their decision on the grounds that, It renders Title IX meaningless as females can no longer be recognized as distinct from males. The reinterpretation of sex to include gender identity also means that girls' bathrooms and locker rooms must be opened up to any male who identifies as female. Girls' rights to personal privacy and freedom from male sexual harassment, forced exposure to male nudity, and voyeurism have been eliminated with the stroke of a pen schools that do not comply with the demands of any male student to access to protected female spaces will now lose federal funding. This decision clearly violates the rights of women and girls as well as Constitutional Amendments 5 and 14. The suit titled Women's Liberation Front versus the United States points out the fact that Congress enacted Title IX in order to reverse decades of pervasive and invidious discrimination of the rights of women at every level of the US educational system. Wolf is seeking financial support to fight this time-intensive and important legal battle and has set up a GoFundMe page asking for donations. Kara Dansky, spokesperson for Wolf, recently spoke with WLRN and had this to say about the lawsuit.
2: The guidance does mention trans people, but but what it effectively does is say anybody can access any facility on the basis of self-declared gender identity. And what I think the trans activist people aren't acknowledging is that the guidance allows any man to say, I'm a woman today, and go into a woman's space on on that basis. I mean, it really does. It just says anyone can access any facility on the basis of gender identity, self-declared.
0: The U.S. federal government has issued a preliminary injunction blocking President Obama's transgender bathroom mandate in response to a lawsuit brought by 13 states. Maya Dillard-Smith, former chief executive of Georgia's ACLU and founder of FindingMiddleGround.org, penned a poignant op-ed championing the federal government's injunction, calling it a win for American democracy. Dillard-Smith was forced to step down from her position as head of the Georgia ACLU after being labeled a transphobe for asking questions about the implications of the new gender identity legislation for the rights of women and girls. Dillard Smith noted that the court granted the injunction because the Obama administration and the Department of Education circumvented legally required public debate rules commonly referred to as notice and comment laws in violation of the Federal Administrative Procedures Act. Passing a bill like this in the absence of public input, particularly from those who would be most affected, such as women, girls, and sexual abuse survivors, constitutes what Dillard calls a steamroll strategy used on the part of powerful lobbyists. The federal court granting the injunction cited the bill as contradictory to existing statutes and regulatory texts regarding sex discrimination based on biological sex and not gender identity. While the silencing of women and girls in policy realms is nothing new, it certainly is nonetheless disappointing, with potentially dangerous consequences for women and children. Wolf Fest, a radical feminist festival for women organized by Women's Liberation Front, will be taking place from September 16th to the 19th, 2016, near Crescent City, California. The festival will include three days of workshops, discussions of feminist theory, strategy, self-defense classes, and revolution in the majestic Redwoods. WLRN will be there to capture the mood by gathering commentary, ambient sounds, and conducting interviews on the ground. The highly anticipated book Female Erasure, an anthology edited by Ruth Barrett, is set to be released in September and it will likely be a game-changer in the debate around trans politics and the historical erasure of women in society through patriarchal social regimes. The About the Book section of the website reads, This anthology bears witness and exposes the current trend of gender identity politics as a continuation of female erasure and silencing as old as patriarchy itself. Forty-eight voices celebrate female embodiment while exploring deeper issues of misogyny, violence, and sexism disguised today as progressive politics. These perspectives come at a time when gender identity politics and profits from an emerging medical transgenderism industry for children, teens and adults inhibit our ability to have meaningful discussions about sex, gender, changing laws that have provided sex based protections for women and girls, and the reframing of language referring to females as a distinct biological class. Through researched articles, essays, firsthand experience, storytelling, and verse, these voices ignite the national conversation about the politics of gender identity as a backlash to feminist goals of liberation from gender stereotypes, oppression, and sexual violence. If you're interested in hearing more about the book from Ruth Barrett herself, check out WLRN's interview with her in our fourth edition podcast online. Stay tuned to WLRN here and on Facebook as we'll be posting links to Female Erasure as soon as it's released. You can also go to the book's website as well at your leisure. The address is femaleerasure.com. And now for our featured news story on the Olympics and policies and practices surrounding gender.
3: Even putting aside the ethics of performance-enhancing drugs in sports competition, for which testosterone is used both in athletics and in gender correction, the devastation to young people, and female bodies in particular, is severe and often deadly. Damages to the liver, the heart, irreversible hair and voice and bodily changes, cancer, birth defects, stillbirth, miscarriage are some of the outcomes. Behavioral effects include aggression, increase in competitive drive, and lack of empathy. Psychologically, it can manifest issues such as eating disorders, self-harm, and attempts at sex reassignment surgery in order to societally adjust to the body's new state. Now imagine these steroids being given to young teens who have not finished developing. Whether this is to have the edge on the competition or to validate someone's fitting into a gender box, how can we justify inflicting this on a person? Now men can compete against women in Olympic competitions if they say they are women. But wait a minute. Biological sex comes with a number of markers. A male with lower testosterone, higher estrogen alone is no less a male. A trans woman on estrogen doesn't perform like a woman, but like a man who is taking a less aggressive steroid. A woman with higher than average natural testosterone alone is no less a woman, but it is our combination of traits that point to our sex. It is said that estrogen adds, but does not subtract. A male using estrogen could experience softer skin, breast growth, and stronger emotions, but this alone may not reduce testosterone, and it certainly doesn't negate some of the other advantages associated with maleness, speed, muscle mass, Bone density, skeletal structure and shape, decreased body fat levels and distribution, etc. Hormones alone may not make one male or female. It is the combination of all these details together which provide the answer, which, not surprisingly, can typically be determined easily for most of us based on genitals at birth. What are the Olympic gender standards? It can vary, but, for instance, the qualifying speeds for entry into certain events is stricter for men. Theoretically, a slower male who couldn't place within his sex can, in fact, compete against the women if he calls himself one. You'll notice the advantage does not work in the reverse. The International Olympic Committee released a document last November stating that the only criteria a male-to-female trans person needs to meet in order to compete against women is a period of four straight years, being declared female, and testosterone levels at no higher than 10 nanomoles per liter. This would put a male at the low end of average for males, which is nine. A biological woman's average nanomole per liter of testosterone is one. Meeting the testosterone requirements may be easy enough. The declaration of womanhood, whether genuine or not, can be too. Most Olympians train for at least four full years in preparation for the next games, giving it their all. The women of East Germany were masculinized irreversibly for Olympic glory back in the 70s and 80s with steroids. Why wouldn't a man be willing to feminize? Dedication and willingness to do anything for the gold is common in aspiring Olympic athletes. And yet the testosterone amounts to qualify as a woman remain high. Because the International Association of Athletics Federations says there is not sufficient evidence to substantiate that higher testosterone levels lead to increased performance, despite everything, despite the past, despite East Germany, despite steroid abuse being popular among athletes in general, and despite the Olympics' own no-doping policy where they literally drug test people in an attempt to determine if artificial steroids were used.
4: Like a man And he wants to beat a woman Anytime he can He gets paid to beat up women It feels to him like love To think about the blood And the feel of breaking bone Under his glove Under his glove This makes you an MRA You must watch your language You must police your friends And if you fail your attacks and threats may Never ever end Knowing truth And speaking it must be silenced at all cost. The truth is told if women speak men power would be lost. Wants to be a I love to think about the blood and the feel of breaking bone under his glove, under his glove. This man who thinks he's female, this father of a girl, would beat a woman senseless. Most about it to the world His followers adore him There is ever-loving fans And the blood of beaten women Is on his and on their hands He claims he doesn't understand why Women don't accept him Believes that we are bigots when women intercept him and know that he's a male. Block him from our spaces and like to beat us everyone and punches in our faces he wants to be a woman Behaves just like a man He wants to beat a woman Anytime he can Gets paid to beat up women It feels to him like love To think about the blood And the fear of breaking bones. A woman you will never be, you've never really seen us False breasts do not a woman make, nor cutting off your dick You're still a nasty violent male You'll always be a prick Those hands that beaches Women's hands, there's not more male and thinking you the right to women's land, and here is something I don't think you understand. It takes more to be a woman than telling us you're not a man he wants to be a woman. It's just like a man who wants to beat a woman anytime he can he Gets paid to beat up women It feels to him like love To think about the blood and the feel of breaking bone under his glove
1: That was Ali B. of AllyBMusic.com with her new song, Under His Glove. WLRN's Sekhmet Shiaul recently interviewed Susan Bassow, Professor of Psychology and Women's Studies at Lafayette College, about women in sports and the recent Olympics. Here's an excerpt from that phone call. The extended interview will be posted under our WLRN Interviews tab. The paper, Femininity, Sports, and Feminism, one thing I definitely want to ask is, do you think that anything has changed culturally regarding women embracing and believing in their own physical strength since you wrote the paper?
2: I I, I am sort of an optimistic person, although it's, certainly has been tempered by reality. But I do think things are somewhat better, but not as much better as one might hope given, you know, the time difference from when it was written. Um, I think what we saw with the recent Olympics shows both the, the advances and the work still to be done. The women athletes were amazing and they demonstrated, you know, incredible power, strength and clearly the result of hard work. But often, the reporting of it highlighted sort of, you know, femininity, qualities, and of course, they're still, you know, dressing the part. Right. Um, the, the sequence and the makeup, you know, for a, you know, not, obviously, not everyone left out of the runners and the gymnasts, but, you know, there, there's still a mixture of messages for women. And it's still quite interesting So sort of the racial, you know, intersectional analysis of who the women are, who are in some ways really demonstrating the most power. And they tend to be women of color for the reasons I think that were highlighted in the article that they never, you know, were seen as able to meet the feminine idea that was based on sort of upper you know, upper-class, like, you know, women's bodies. The history of women in the Olympics, just their being in the Olympics, has been steady and persistent sign of progress. I mean, they were, you know, not able to run the marathon because somehow they they were seen as sort of beyond their capability. They were not allowed to, I mean, this do women compete? Period took a lot of persistence, effort, and hard work for on the part of women athletes, and because I, mean, so I think we've made tremendous progress in sort of the number of competitions that have been in them, uh, or that are comparable to the ones that showcase men, and then even having sort of the same rules that you know guide women and men the judging has moved towards a more consistent standard. So that women's gymnastics, for example, the same with ice skating, I mean, it was often judged, there used to be more weight given to gracefulness and to artistry as opposed to power moves like the jumps and and all of the you know, incredible moves that we see now. Um, and the rating changed over has changed over time so that, Women were recognized for their strength, not just for being graceful. Because sometimes they weren't so graceful. They were, you know, doing incredible bodily, you know, feats, and their hand movements may not have been, you know, of a ballet dancer. Um, so there is still a component of the scoring of things like gymnastics that. Like take into account, I forget what it's called now, but it's not anywhere near as big a factor as it used to be. So yes, I do think there's been a change, But the society we were born into is a patriarchal one, and so that's the set of beliefs we have.
0: <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> justify it, basically. Uh, and yeah. justify maintaining it, so it's very hard to make progress. You are certainly not as quickly as
0: many of us would like. So what would you like feminists to understand about the world of sports and how it relates to women's liberation?
2: It is important to embrace the whole person and recognize the way in which our views of our physical bodies and, and maybe our physical limitations actually can keep us moving towards what we might otherwise you know, view as sort of the ideal society. I don't think everybody has to be an athlete, but everybody has a body. Um, And bodies are sort of an annoyance, or they're just objects or things we decorate or use. We need to develop a more holistic sense of self and of ours' basic potential.
3: And that concludes our fifth edition of Women's Liberation Radio News for September 1st, 2016. We're always interested in comments and questions from our listeners. Email us at wlrnewscontact at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Elizabeth McEwen, your co-host.
0: This is Shantae Hosey signing off for now. Stay tuned next month for a program focused on the Black Lives Matter movement and Black feminism, hosted by Katina Hyman and myself. That program will be released on October 6th. And
1: I'm Sarah Barfraz. Join us next month for edition six.
4: But how will we...
2: Patriarchal
1: kiss, how will we find what needs
0: to be shown? And then after that, where is home?